Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Training camp continues. We are a week in to it, and I wrote about that on HoustonTexans.com. Good evening, Johnny. We're a week in. What's your gut reaction? I'm going to go gut reaction with you. Gut reaction <laughs> a week in. I think practices have been a lot cleaner than I expected. Today, the two-minute drill was one of the better two-minute, first two-minute drills of camp that I can remember. I thought it I thought it moved pretty quickly. I thought Gerard made a couple of big plays uh, during the two-minute drill. So a lot of those things have been cleaner. Um, here's one thing we haven't talked about, and I want to make sure that I, I mention these two guys in particular, and that's Frank Ross and Sean Baker. Now, I know special teams coaches are always supposed to have a little bit they are always a, they're always a little bit left of center, if you will. But I'm telling you, they get those guys during special teams periods to treat it like it's a defensive or offensive period. Yep. I'm telling you, there's more talking amongst players in the gunner drills and the competition than just about anything else going on. And, look, I don't want to be elite in special teams and then stink in the other two areas, but I don't want to be horrible in special teams, and I don't think there's any way they're going to be horrible. The way that Frank and Sean coach those guys for special teams, they, these players get it. Justin Reed, I watched Justin. He is, I went back and looked at his numbers. Justin has started 43 of the last 47 games, or the 47 games he's played in. Not the last ones because he missed a couple at the end of last year. There's a couple at the end of night or a couple in 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and then played, I think all of them started 10 of them his first year. Either way, 43 of 47 starts on defense, hardly misses a snap. He is treating the reps in defending gunners or being a gunner as much as anybody in the team, like he's the last guy on the team. It's been really impressive to watch the commitment the special teams, and Frank Ross and Sean Baker, uh, Frank Ross coordinator, Sean Baker, uh, special teams assistant. Those guys, they get after it, and the players are following their lead. And it is really, it's really fun to watch. I, I, know, I know what you say about it, and that is mm-hmm. classic band playing a song from the new album, it's time yep. to check out. As far as practice goes. Yeah, as far as practice goes. But, man, I'm telling you, they get work done. And it's pretty impressive that you can get a bunch of professional football players and get their attention and get them not only to do special teams, but to take it as serious and to, t- and to be as competitive as they are in special teams. It's really fun to watch. Well, you know, it's funny because I have a new line for that now uh, because I decided that my classic rock band saying, now we'd like to play things from the new album is getting old. So I decided to come up with a new one which I put in my Vandermeer's view. And that was, I feel like I'm watching an event planner set up for a banquet, right? When I watch special teams <laughs> practice, like I'd rather just go to the dinner. And yeah, but that's how it looks to me. But I will say this, Johnny, when this team hired Brad Seeley and look in the early days of Texans history, Joe, you know, Joe uh, Marciano, Joe Marciano. Thank you very much. And his brother, Tony, was uh, actually O-line coach in the early going. But Joe Marciano, coaching special teams, they were very good early on. And obviously, there was a sort of dipping point as team history continued. 
Brad Steely brought this thing to a whole new level, right? I mean, they were really good. They were first yes. or second in average drive start offense, defense, uh, either one. For a couple of years, they did really well. Now, they need to get that going again because last year it took another dip. And it feels like they're spending more time than they've ever spent on it. Now, this current staff would only know what Romeo Cornell and Bobby King and Jack Easterby are telling them. But I yeah. think that uh, so it has nothing to do with the past. That's just the way they see fit. David Cully wants to see it this way. Nick Casario wants to see it this way. And they're doing it this way. They spend a ton of time. I feel like, oh, good. I get to watch offense, defense, 11 on 11. I'm like, more of this, please. Now, I'm just talking about the sheer entertainment part of practice for my yes. purposes, which right. is really important to me, obviously. Uh, maybe not as important to the success of the football team as they see it. So uh, you're right. They're spending a lot of time on it. You see a lot of attention to detail. It's very cool. I got another gut reaction for you. Tom Brady, 44 years old today. Gut reaction. Holy 44. cow. I mean, seriously? Yeah. 44. First of all, it dawned on me, he's not that much younger than me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was the first thing that stood out. Then the second thing, it's also somebody else's birthday today. I know. Zach Wilson. Oh, Zach my gosh. Wilson. I thought you were going to go in another direction because it's Terod Taylor's birthday today. Oh, I saw the players celebrating that on the field. Mm-hmm. Todd's 32. Yeah, I think he's nothing compared to Brady. I know. It's also Zach Wilson's birthday. Mm-hmm. He's 22. He's half the age of Tom Brady. Exactly. Half. Yep. I, I, like, how? I mean, Zach Wilson's going, hey, wait a second. I got to play 22 years in the NFL to match Tom Brady. Yep. It's been amazing. I mean, a guy has found a way with this TB12 method or whatever the case might be. He has found a way to somehow stay healthy, to fight through things. I mean, last year, I mean, dealing with the MCL, I, I don't know how he did it. I have no idea how he went about getting to a point where he was could play every single week. But he did, and he played extremely well in the playoffs, played extremely well in the Super Bowl. And then was like, yeah, I'm going to go party with the team uh, out in the Bay, and then I'm going to go have surgery, and I'll be fine. Like, I, it's, I don't know. He's, he's incredible. Um, I'm really glad that there was at least one time that we saw up close the Texans beat him. That was fun because uh, what, would, what would be the next time we would see them 2023 – I don't know if we'll get to 2023, but unless we make it to the Super Bowl, that'd be awesome. Then we could see him again. That would be really cool. I'll take it. But I don't know if if the last time that we saw him live in a regular season game was that a Sunday night win over them. I mean, I'll take it. Yeah. Not the greatest thing in the world, but it's a nice consolation prize after all the pain he inflicted on all on all of us for all those years. I'll take I- it. Yeah, I, look, he's hard not to like in many ways. It's funny because that podcast that you like, Flying Coach, they talk about him, and it's interesting because it's kind of like the way a lot of people feel about him. You want to hate him, but you kind of like him, Tom Brady, yeah. especially yeah. in the NFC. Look, with the Patriots, hate like poison. Healthy sports hate like poison. But in the NFC, fine, and you're right. I'd love to see them in the Super Bowl. Look, he doesn't always win the Super Bowl, 
He's been in it 10 times. He doesn't always win the Super Bowl. He's lost three of them. So there's that. Aha. All right, Johnny, gut reaction to this. And we'll get back to Texans practice in a moment here. But I want to get this out of the way early in the program. Gut reaction to, and this is Twilight Zone weird stuff. The Colts lose Carson Wentz for five to 12 weeks because of foot surgery. Quentin Nelson, their all-pro guard, foot surgery, five to 12 weeks. I have never seen this in my life where you have two really good players from one team. I mean, even on separate teams, but they have the same injury and the exact same amount of time. And it's a weird amount of time, five to 12. We talked about that last night. It's not like seven to 10 or eight to 10 weeks or a couple of months, five to 12 weeks. And they both have the exact same projection. And I know there's some of this is media medical speak, but I think the team is putting some of this stuff out there. Frank Reich says, Wentz's surgery revealed no other complications in his foot injury. So that's good for the Colts. Uh, We'll see how they play it. But what's your gut reaction overall? I heard Frank Reich talk about Carson Wentz's injury. And he was very matter of fact about it. But I think Frank's defensive nature in listening to what he had to say was his assumption that people would be um, to a point where, hey, you guys should have known about this, right? This, you know, how you guys should have known about this. It was an injury apparently that Carson had back in high school that never got fixed properly. And that's what's kind of reared its ugly head. So it makes you think, well, wait a second. Is that what Quentin had too? Something that was broken or, you know, hurt back in high school or early in college and just never got fixed right. And now they're looking at it going, well, wait a second. Because I here's here's my Chris Ballard's playing chess sort of move. Wait a second. Carson's out for five to 12 weeks. Could be longer depending how rehab goes. Mm, all right. Well, we don't have to give up a first-round pick now. Mm-hmm. Hey, Quentin's been dealing with the same thing. You know what? Let's just let's take a bath. Let's just get it all out in one year. All the hiccups, all the injuries, everybody will be fine after this. We'll take a 6-11 and 11 record now, and then we'll be sitting there in the top seven, and they'll draft a young quarterback, and away they go. That's, that's my worry, is, is that thought. But either way, for how it stands for the 2021 Colts, I mean, that's as disastrous as it could get. I mean, to have the Q and Q with the same injury? Yeah. Somebody wrote on Twitter – and it may have been, I think it was Greg Doyle who writes for the Indy, um, Indy, Indy Star. Is it the Indianapolis Star? Yeah. Indy Star. The Colts are cursed. I thought, mm, yeah, I don't know about that, given all the years of Peyton Manning, Edgar oh, James, Dallas Clark, Reggie Wayne. You can miss me with that whole Colts are cursed sort of thing. Please. But it is highly unfortunate that this has happened to them for their sake. Boy, their early schedule, Johnny, they have the Seahawks at home. They have the Rams at home. Yeah, they go to the Titans. They go to the Dolphins. They go to the Ravens. And then they have us, October 17th. I think that this is going to be a tough stretch, obviously. But look, they are supposed to be a good team. And I don't know what they're going to trot out there at quarterback, but you should be able to survive no Nelson for a few weeks anyway. I don't know if he gets back to 
his regular form quickly enough for them, but they're already operating without the left tackle that they enjoyed services of and then you have no nelson so i get it it gets thin in a hurry and then what are they going to do a quarterback is it the trade for nick Foles? all right so that's them now back to the texan situation and the birthday boy Terod taylor who is 32 years old today so he looked good in the two-minute situation you know what i liked from him today was the ability to improvise and in pads it seemed like hey lights came on i came out with the bright lights here you know, under the overcast skies of the Houston Methodist Training Center <laughs> and made plays. And oh, by the way, I'm no dummy. I know that we have one of the best receivers in the league on this football team who also made a statement today saying, yeah, I'm still here. I can still catch the rock and make big plays. Brandon Cooks looked good today. Yeah, I thought that two-minute drill was was fun to watch. And I, I said this, uh, to, I think it was today. I may have said it on, on uh, Monday as well on Texas Training Camp Live, which you got to listen to 8 to 10. We're always breaking news, things that are going on, great interviews. And we're talking about Saturday, and there's a lot been made about Davis Mills and the interceptions and all that kind of nonsense. The one thing that nobody brought up, and, and Landry and Java love this, nobody's talking about Guy. Mm-hmm. Nobody mentioned the fact that Brandon Cooks really Saturday didn't do a ton in practice and he was back Monday back Tuesday but he didn't do a lot in Saturday's practice and I don't know if he uh you know tweaked something or that was the way it was playing I don't know but it's one thing to go against the ones for the first time it's another thing to be down in the red zone which complicates matters and by the way we're going to take away that guy not really like take him away, but you get my point. Mm-hmm. Brandon Cooks is not going to be part of the mix. Like, wow. Now, there, and I want to say Chris Conley was maybe banged up a little bit on Saturday too, but I, I, I can't recall. I know one day Chris had at the end of practice, he was out for a little bit. Um, and so I don't, I don't, that may have been Monday. These days are all run together. Either way, Toronto came back on Monday. Things seemed much, much smoother. Today in pads, he just he, – he looked comfortable. I saw him on the side. It was interesting to watch the interactions on the sidelines because we've seen all those interactions on hard knocks. Like, I've seen that on TV. Now I'm watching it right in front of me. And when Terod smiles at you, I mean, that smile lights up a room. But I just saw him go over to Brandon Cooks. And I could see them – couldn't hear him, but I, you could see, like, their hands are doing, like, different route movements. And, you know, all – they were very animated with one another. And just kind of the way that they were going about it, both kind of pat each other in the head. It's just really, I like the synergy that's created with those two guys in particular. But Nico Collins is stepping up. He is stepping up in a big, big way. And I wouldn't be surprised if by the middle of the year, as long as he stays healthy, Nico Collins is finding a way to make impactful plays for this receiving court. I mm. wouldn't be surprised. All right, I'll give you another one to think about today with the team in pads and nine on seven and then they go full squad and everything and they were really testing the running game today so I'm sure you have a bunch of thoughts on the O-line and how they looked but within that the running game particularly Mark Ingram looking pretty good and Philip Lindsay had a couple of runs where I just said okay bubble wrap bubble wrap because his lateral quickness his ability in traffic to just slide to I'm going to go in this lane now. Yep. It is really fun to watch. And I just think he's going to be a big part of things in this ground game when it's all said and done. 
he had a run. You and I were watching it one run, and I, I was watching the video board, so I missed the run. Like, right. I, then I went back and watched the video board, so I didn't see it live. That was one run I know you mentioned to me, and it was mm-hmm. very impressive. There was one run later on where they were, they were in a gun. He was on the right side, and it looked like it was going to be an outside zone play or a, kind of a wide zone play to the left. And within two steps, he sees a hole back behind the center on the right side where he just come from. And I'm like, first of all, how do you see it? Plants his foot, goes right back through that hole. And he has a way, we talk about running backs, oh, make, make yourself small, make yourself skinny, whatever. Now, he's already a, a shorter guy, but he got himself into kind of a, I mean, kind of a crouched kind of ball position where he was tiny and just shot through the gap. And, I mean, it was 10 yards before anybody touched him. And I remember thinking as I watched it, like, how do you see that cut? So I turned and I watched the video board. Like, did I see that right? Did he – like, I went back and I watched it. It was almost more impressive to see it because it's two steps and then I don't know how he could see that. Because his eyesight had to be to the play side, to the left, mm-hmm. B gap, C gap over there. And somehow he's seeing a hole, the backside A gap. I'm like, how? That's the thing that, that to me, like his toughness, his chip on the shoulder, you know, those things you talk about, Mark, his vision's unbelievable. I don't know how he sees some of the things that he sees. We've seen a lot of, we've seen a lot of running backs over the years here with the Texans. But the way he sees things is different from anybody else. From that perspective, from a vision perspective, the guy that he reminds you of is Arian. Arian could see things out on the field, and it was like, how did you see that? And he's like, I, I don't know, man. I just thought – I don't know how Arian saw some of the things he did. I don't know how Phillip sees some of the things that he does. But that's what, to me, makes a running back special is, is that. Staying healthy and the vision to find open holes and then get through them Man, that run was so impressive. I was like, you're right. Put him in bubble wrap. We're good to go. We've seen enough from 30. I don't even want to see him in preseason games, to be honest with you. Wrap him up. Let's go. Week one, Jags, he'll be fresh. He'll be ready to go. And he will want to prove something that afternoon. Uh, For the people that have doubted him, don't believe in him, he will want to prove something that day to them. Oh, I don't think – if anybody doubts Lindsay, I think if they doubt anything, it's can he stay healthy for 17 games? And I think everybody's sort of on watch for that. But Johnny, I started filling out my 53 and oh. it's tough already. It's tough already. Yeah. It's not time for us to really do that yet. We'll do that in an upcoming show. But, you know, and give you the the players that we're not quite sure about because you never know what the coaches are thinking. And special teams is so important for this squad but man, these four running backs, you know, David Johnson included his ability to catch the ball. Uh, you look at Rex Burkhead. Every time you look up, he's making a plan. You know what I love about Burkhead? He runs out every He runs out every ground ball. You know, he <laughs> runs yeah. everything yeah. out. He runs everything into the end zone. I'm going to show you that uh, I am into this. And I know you went down a wormhole watching his 2007, 2008 high school highlight videos, <laughs> but. You know, this guy, he was super dominant at that level, went to Nebraska, obviously got himself into the National Football League, uh, eventually with the Patriots after a stint with the Bengals, and here he is. But he still, to me, 
uh, his attitude, his exuberance, it's like he's an undrafted rookie fighting yeah. to make the squad. And I guess he is fighting to make the squad. I mean, they all are in some capacity, but he's fun to watch as well. They got a lot of guys like that who are fighting for their careers right now, and they've been good pros. They know what it takes. They know what it's like to stay here. They don't want to not be here. And like Nick Casario and David Kelly have been saying all off season long competition makes everybody better. And you could see it happening out there. They know that there's so much at stake here in the next few weeks. What's interesting about Rex, we've talked off season. First of all, we didn't know Rex was going to be ready to go. We, we, I even, I went on a soliloquy one night about, Hey, you might have Rex later. So you have these three running backs now, speaking of Ingram, Johnson, and Philip Lindsay. And then Rex can come along when maybe one of those guys get banged up, gets banged up or wait, you know, whatever happens. And you're, you know, you're back to three again. But then Rex is ready to go day one. You're like, whoa, okay. Right. Well, going back to our discussion about special teams, they're going to be deciding factors. And special teams might be one. And I look today, one of the punt team units, I don't know which one it was, punt cover units, and it's all white shirts and one blue shirt. And the white shirts are defense, and it's one blue offensive shirt, number 28, Rex Burkhead. Ooh. And you think, man, what's the separator? What's the separator? Because, gosh, they're really – they're all really good ball carriers. They're all really good receivers. You know, Rex runs some tremendous routes. You know, so does David Johnson as a wide receiver. But you know what, Rex? Play special teams. Is that going to make – is that going to separate him from everybody else? Do they decide, you know what, we're keeping four because Rex does play special teams. Mm. We're going to keep four guys, and we know in a 17-week season we might need to have all four. So maybe they keep all four. But special teams could be the separator. Here's another one kind of along those lines. Every single day, I want to say the first guy out on the field is Kevin Pierre-Lewis. And while we're doing the show, I look over there, and you and I both see him doing one thing, long snapping. Every day. First guy out. Long snapping. He snapping to weeks every day. And you think about what's the separator? Mm. Well, you know what? If weeks he were to get hurt and you don't carry two long snappers on the, on the field right. or on the team on game day, it's always one. So if, if weeks he got hurt and it was going to be something long-term, okay, well, you've got uh, Fabroni there. Where you go. But in a game, weeks he gets hurt, who do you go to? And I remember that happened, I think, against Indianapolis one year. He is his ankle was bad. And I was yeah. like, who's gonna snap? Who's gonna long snap? Well, there's Kevin Pierre Lewis long snapping. Now, I don't know if KPL is gonna earn a starting job at linebacker. I don't know. But when the decision comes down and they're going, hey, it's really close between KPL and some other linebacker. Hey, you know what, guys? If we need it, KPL can long snap if we need it. If we gotta have it, something goes wrong. That could be a separator. You know, Camus Grugier-Hill kicked off in a game for the Eagles once. That can come in It's handy. the little things that might end up separating all these veterans because they're so kind of closely bunched. They're all, you know, pretty similar in some regard. I think it comes down to, hey, there's a little bit, as you like to say, Lanyap there in special teams. We might have to keep this guy over to that guy for that yeah. particular reason. Well, you were going over the receivers with Landry the other day when he put you on the spot, and – 
Look, Andre Roberts is a hell of a return guy. It's going to be hard to keep him off this football team. And you still have so many choices at receiver beyond that, obviously. Anyway, that's a discussion for another time. We've got the general coming up. Reloaded general, among other things here on Texans All Access. Yes. 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 Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of Texans All Access. John Harris sliding into nobody's DM, sliding into the chair, and taking you through the rest of the show. And it's time to talk to the general, John McClain, who we caught up with this morning. You don't want to miss it live, Texas Training Camp Live, at about 8.15. But if you did, you're like, man, I really wish I could. Well, I got you covered. Here you go, the general with us right here. On Texas All Access. So let's bring on the general John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Good morning, General. So what did you make of the quarterback situation yesterday? Well, uh, not much. With Starod Taylor's exactly what they expected him to be. Let's not get carried away. He hadn't been a starter during the season since 2017 because of injuries in the last two stops. But he's so far ahead of the other guys, and that's why they wanted him. He knows Pep Hamilton very well. He knows David Cully very well. All the players praise him they talk about what a leader he is the the advice he gives if they ask he doesn't make mental mistakes and he's going into his 11th year so he is at this point what they expect and you hope he'll be during the season what they'll expect a guy that won't throw a lot of interceptions they'll run the ball a lot he'll run the ball some last time he was a starter i think he counted let's see he had well, he, I can't remember. I've written it so much. I can't remember what it is now. But he had three times as many touchdowns, passes, and runs than he did interceptions, and they take that in a heartbeat. General, first day in pads, do you change your viewing pleasure, if you will, the different things you watch today in pads that you haven't before? Absolutely, John. Number one, uh, the linemen don't play patty cake anymore. The linemen <laughs> can hit each other. I used to like it when we could go down there on that end and watch the offensive linemen and defensive linemen do drills, especially any new player, whether he was a veteran or a rookie, going up in that corner against Watt. And, you know, Mm. it's like like Superman had flown by them. And that's what I like the most is to watch the linemen hit. Now, what I'm interested in, you know, they don't take – under Bill O'Brien, they didn't take – uh, guys to the ground you know they don't want guys on the ground you're going to go on the ground when you get hit and bumped even though you're not going to get taken to the ground you're going to fall a lot well under david cully will they do full contact and take people to the ground the way he was talking about finishing 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 that tells me if you're going to finish you block that guy's butt into the dirt and you jump on top of him now that may not be what he <laughs> What he means out here in practice, but it's a whole new level with between pads and fans. You know, we're, this is going to be the best day of training camp, and and you just hope now injuries don't start to mount because that's usually what uh. happens. And they've been very fortunate up to this point. Everybody and I, knock one. And I still I want to see those linemen. I want to see the running backs now that they can get hit, not taken to the ground, but hit. And of course, receivers when the DBs. You know, they don't knock them down on purpose, but when you're going for the ball, a lot of these guys are going down. And, of course, they can't touch the quarterbacks, but this is the best day so far. I think today's the first day where, and I've talked about this before, with the running back situation being what it is, with these four veterans to start off with, General, 
It's going to be interesting today because, look, if you had, you know, if Derrick Henry's on your team and he has a couple of carries for a couple of yards, you're like, all right, sit down. Yeah, it's Derrick Henry. These guys, you got to see what they still have in the tank. You don't want to wear them out, but you want to see what they have. You want to see who's going to rise up. What do you make of that? Full competition between these backs. They're not going to keep those four. They may not keep the two of them. If they do like the last regime did, you keep Buddy Howell as a fourth back because he's a really good special teams player, then he's got a spot secured. But those first four, you know, Burkhead, I would think, would be the odd man out, but I also thought he might start on PUP coming off knee surgery, but he hasn't. He hasn't skipped a beat. And the fact that he came from four four seasons in New England might be to his advantage if it's tied going to the runner. Then maybe Nick Casario wants the guy he's most familiar with. But, you know, pads are one thing. I can't wait. Next week, they're going to be playing against Green Bay. Then we're going to see these backs, and I don't know how they're going to use them. I'm really interested to see how NFL coaches use the three preseason games compared to four. But that's when it's going to all start to play out as far as these running backs. I think with 17 games, and as much as they're going to run the ball, they hope to run the ball, you've got to have three because they're going to be injuries. And... And you've got to have three or healthy narrow because you can keep veterans on the practice squad again. Maybe that fourth guy, say it's Burkhead, maybe he's happy to stick around with people he knows, meaning Casario, and, and be on the practice squad knowing that there's a good chance one of the first three is going to be injured. They cannot have a situation like last year. David Johnson goes down. Duke's there. Duke goes down. What do they got? You know, that, that put him in a terrible situation last year. Put him even more pressure on Deshaun Watson throwing the ball. General, look into your crystal ball and tell us all how you think the right side of the offensive line will pair out, play out. I think it'll be Titus Howard, Marcus Cannon so far behind. They like Charlie Heck. You know, they've played Mar- – they have – I know they like versatility, but <laughs> putting a guy at three different positions the first week does that do him any good, especially when he's third year, he's had injuries his first two years? I don't know if I like that. But I think Titus Howard would be the right tackle, and I think the right guard I thought would have been uh, Lane uh, Taylor since he came from Green Bay. He's had injuries, biceps wiped out 2019, knee knocked out, wiped out 2020. He, was, he went to camp as the starter at uh, right guard last year. He played left guard. So considering James Campen was his coach, I thought coming in he would have the inside track, and now it's Justin McRae. But if they put Titus Howard in a game and he plays well at right guard and then Charlie Heck plays well at right tackle, you know, they'll do that. Campen's going to put the five best out there, but uh, it's like people talking about Marcus Cannon at guard. He played guard once. He wasn't any good, and they moved him to tackle. So I don't know why people think at 33, all of a sudden, he's going to be a good guard. And now, of course, he's way behind because of that uh, knee surgery he had after the offseason program. But um, I, I hope that Taylor comes back early enough to get in the mix with McCray at right guard. John, rank the top four position groups. I assume offensive line would be first in terms of overall depth. Well, I don't know enough about the defensive line because there's so many new players. <laughs> They've never had depth at offensive tackle like they do now. Say it's say it's Tunzel and Howard. Then you got Heck. They like him. Johnson. You have the most senior member of the offensive line with this team is Roderick Johnson. <laughs> he came here in 2018. And then you have Marcus Cannon 
who's won what three Super Bowl rings, but he's thirty three and he's he's uh, not able to pass a physical yet. That is five offensive tackles, and I I think they're going to have to keep four, and that's going to be a tough cut. Inside, what? Who's the backup center? If something happens to Justin yeah. Brett, who's snapping the ball? I also like the fact that uh, Max Sharping is running with the first team. You know, they yeah. haven't found anybody to pop in there, take his place, and maybe he'll bounce back from uh, the performance last season and play like he did as a rookie when he showed so much promise. But I don't know who's the backup center. We all know Brett is the center, but. They got depth at tackle like never before, and they got depth at guard. And that's what happens when you bring in so many veterans, and it's the same way in the defensive line. All right, but finish the answer. Second and third and fourth position group. Uh, that have the most depth? Yeah. Okay, offensive line's number one. I'd say defensive line's number two. They got seven tight ends, and that's going to be a hard cut. I would think tight ends and uh, – I don't know enough about a lot of the linebackers till you see them play, mm-hmm. and so I and they brought in fewer players in the secondary than before. So offensive line, defensive line, tight end, and I don't think wide receiver is going to be that tough. I think only one cut in the running back. They well, they got great depth at running back. You have four veterans who played extensively in the NFL, so mm-hmm. I'll put running back at the other one. Okay. General, last year at this time, watching the 2020 draft class, I remember thinking, yo, we're not getting much out of this class. Like, it's it's not going to happen that particular year. I thought if Grenard had not gotten banged up early, I thought, okay, maybe Grenard, but I was like, man, we're not going to get much out of this class. The 2021 class I'm watching in a whole different vein. What have you been your thoughts thus far Davis Mills will put him to the side for a second, but Brevin Jordan, Nico Collins, Garrett Wallow, Roy Lopez, what have you seen from this rookie class, and how does it compare to last year's at this time? Well, because they have signed so many veterans, I don't expect much contribution from this rookie class. And Nico Collins would be a guy to do it. But like Cully said yesterday, he's getting better every day, but he's not where they want. You know, he doesn't have the consistency which is not surprising considering he's a receiver, a rookie, and he opted out last year. I would love for somebody to keep track of every player who opted out of his last year of college and the NFL, how they do this season. Do they start slow? Do they get nagging injuries? Or do they step up and not skip a beat? But uh, I'm pumped now about last year's class going into their sophomore year when they should make their – biggest adjustment and how Grenard does mm-hmm. rushing in the end like he did at Florida. Not Three, four outside linebackers, you guys know. If you didn't play it in college, if you had your hand in the ground, and all of a sudden you got to stand up and think and and watch this cover. Cover. Yeah. Watch, the, does the tight end come out? If he doesn't, do I rush? Oops, I got the running back. There's just so much to think, and now they don't have to think much. It's like Whitney Mercer said, see ball, get ball. And I think that's going to be great for John Grenard going into his second year. John Reed, Bill O'Brien loved John Reed. But John Reed's got a lot of competition, and he's really going to have to step it up. John, quick one for you to wrap it up. Colts situation at quarterback, how do you think oh. they handle it? I think they trade for Nick Foles, and I think the Bears don't don't drive a hard bargain. It'll be a conditional pick based on how much he plays and what they accomplish with him there. General, thanks a lot for joining us once again. Thank you guys very much as always. 
It's always a blast to catch up with the general. So if you miss it at 8.15, a lot of times we got you covered at night. Not always, but you don't want to miss it at 8.15 in the mornings. Texas Training Camp Live for the rest of this week from 8 to 10. That leaves you Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Monday, Tuesday of next week. And then that's it for Texas Training Camp Live. So we're halfway through, five down, five to go on Texas Training Camp Live. You don't want to miss it. And you won't want to miss PQ. We used to have DQ. Now we got PQ with the Texans. A little deep slant with Paul Quesenberry next, right here on Texans All Access. All Access. We got one final segment this Tuesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, and I'm going to turn it over to my good friend, DP Sidhu, for a little deep slant with tight end Paul Quesenberry. Now, if that name sounds familiar, well, it should. If you remember David Quesenberry, this is Paul, his younger brother, in a really interesting background. Paul Quesenberry, a little deep slant for you here. It's the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. My guest today, tight end Paul Quesenberry. Paul, what's it like being out here first day in full pads? How has camp been for you so far? Uh, first day in full pads is great. I mean, this is actually real football. Finally, we've all been working real hard for this. So to get out here and actually, you know, put the pads on and hit each other was a lot of fun. Uh, and camp's been great. It's been uh, beautiful adjusting to this wonderful Houston weather. So we're uh, enjoying it and getting better every day. So you signed with the Texans this offseason, but you're not really new to Texans camp. You were here back in 2015. Were you not with rookie minicamp? Yeah, I was. I signed back in 2015 as a uh, undrafted free agent. I was competing at a linebacker spot back in back in the day, but uh, obviously things have changed. So here we are. A lot of things have changed, but I got to point out your last name, Questenberry. So if it's familiar to fans, it's because you are the younger brother of David Questenberry, who was back in camp back then as well and you've got one more younger brother right Scott so the three of you are now in different places throughout the league right yes you're correct Scotty is with the Chargers uh, he's going into his fourth year David Lee my older brother uh, obviously the fans and everyone out here in Houston knows who he is uh, he's going into year nine and then there's me going into year two but I'm the middle brother so things don't kind of add up but <laughs> Okay, so let's get to why they don't add up. 2015, you were a rookie, but then you went at, into the military for yeah. six years, right? So what went into that decision to give up football and to go into the military? And, and give us a little bit of a rundown of your service in that time. It wasn't like my decision. You know, to be honest, if I had had it my way, I would have made the team after rookie minicamp and got to play in the NFL. However, the alternative was, you know, I graduated from the United States Naval Academy and I owe my time to the service. Uh, whether that be the Navy or the Marine Corps. And uh, I got cut, and I had a great plan B, which is to go uh, serve my country as a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps. Uh, I commissioned. I graduated from the basic school uh, in Quantico, Virginia. Got my MOS, my military occupational specialty, which is uh, infantry officer. Went to infantry officer's course, then got my first orders to my first uh, battalion, second battalion, first Marines out of Camp Pendleton, California. Shout out to Fox Company, third <laughs> platoon. Those are my boys. And from there, you know, I was a platoon commander. I was in charge of 40 guys going out training, working hard, putting in a lot of time, similar to, uh, you know, football, blood, sweat, and tears with those guys every day. And that experience was huge for me. Like, I would not be here if it wasn't for them and the time that I shared serving uh, alongside those Marines. They taught me so much about being a professional, how to push through adversity and, you know, a whole, a whole slew of other things. Uh, I'm forever grateful for that experience. But 
I got to a point in my career where I felt like I still had some gas left in the tank for football, and I just kind of that's that's a long story how that <laughs> all panned out but uh that's a, that's a good six-year recap though so first of all thank you for your service and then last year you decide you know what you still had that itch to play football and then COVID happened right you were going to go out and do a pro day things didn't work out but you spent last year on the on the Patriots practice squad you made the switch you, you said linebacker when you're here in 2015 but you went from defense to tight end so tell me about how that switch went down and, and how you decided to do that so I played defensive end in college it's too small to play defensive end in in the NFL. Obviously the Texans had a little bit of interest in me and my ability to play linebacker. Came out here, found out that wasn't going to work, but I knew leaving from rookie minicamp that year that I had the athletic ability to, to contribute on the field at the NFL level. So over the years I just started paying attention to what positions you know there were that I could go do and I started watching the fullback position, you know a tight end hybrid fullback. I started researching all the guys like how big were they, you know kind of like how strong and fast and all that. And I came across James Devlin, former New England Patriots fullback, you know, absolute incredible person and a good friend of mine. He, he wasn't a friend of mine initially, but his story kind of lined up with mine. It was like, you know, he, he didn't get any looks playing in the NFL after college. He played defensive end at, um, in college and then went to play some semi-pro leagues for a few years and then made the Bengals practice squad. And then New England got word that, you know, they had a, a tough fullback over there and they signed him and he played for them for eight years and he's a freaking Patriots legend and uh, he had just retired last year so I reached out to him out of the blue and I said hey James you know I've been following you and your story kind of gave him my background and James said hey man tell you what if you fly out here to New Jersey I'll train you so I bought a flight two days later and trained with James for 10 days and he taught me how to play fullback and ended up getting a shot with the Patriots and now here we are. All right, so here you are at tight end. So you've got a little bit of fullback coaching. You've got the defensive side of you that played. What do you bring to the tight end group with the Houston Texans? Because you've got such a varied skill set. Um, shoot, I don't know. We got such a great group of guys. Uh, everyone's so talented in our room. I just try to be an example. I try to go as hard as I can every play that I'm in, whether that be on offense, special teams, uh, you know, on the red teams for the special team scout look, whatever it is, like if it's a hot day, tough practice and guys are, you know, struggling, if they see me like still going as hard as I possibly can, maybe that's going to flip a little switch internally for them and, you know, we can accomplish what we need to accomplish. I left out the military experience because that may be your greatest experience of all. And you got to check out his Instagram. You've got some great pictures um, from your platoon. So happy to see you back here in Houston. I don't think we met back in 2015, but welcome back and best of luck for the rest all of camp. Right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. No, thank you, Paul. And a big thanks to DP as well. Mark, to the general, to all of you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.